Hello, it is Thursday, October 1st. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA Podcast. Today's topic is Jessica Rose Clark gets some bad news, and once again, the fact that UFC athletes are independent contractors comes to the forefront. Habib Nurmagomedov should have been asked about his father and this fight camp during the UFC 254 media call, but he doesn't need to be asked more than once. The UFC has to be better in caring for its fighters, especially those like Wellington Terman, who have contracted COVID-19, and Dana White and Ali Abdelaziz get the come on now of the day. On to the show. Before Jessica Rose Clark fought Sarah Alper, she took a picture of her bank account, or after she fought Sarah Alper, I'm not sure, I don't, I don't remember, but she took a ba- picture of her bank account at some point. And it showed that she had about $17, $17 and some change in the bank. And so she noted that she was unhappy that she did not get a fight night bonus for her first, for her knockout win. Uh, and she said she could have used it. And obviously with 17 bucks and some change in her, in her bank account, she definitely could have used it. And during that same interview, she said that she was going to have to look for a second source of income. Well, she got some bad news also about her future. And this is a story in MMA fighting. And I'll just read what she wrote. So I got some bad news. I hurt my knee in camp for that last fight. And then I hurt it again in the fight. And then it turns out I have a torn ACL. And I need to get ACL surgery now. Which is going to put me out for about nine months. So it looks like I won't be fighting until mid-2021. And then she spoke to MMA Fighting and said, obviously I'm pretty bummed out about it. I feel like the last couple of years have been pretty rough, to be honest. I lost, then I got injured, and I was out for almost a year, and then I lost again, and then I got injured again. At least the one thing I'm grateful for is that I still had a really great performance against Sarah. That kind of shows me I'm on the right path with my training, with my mentality, with everything that I'm doing to try to become a better athlete, a better fighter, a better human being. I'm on the right path. I'm sad that I have to take so much more time off, but I think this is a good opportunity to work on some external revenue streams, come up with some plans for how to make money outside fighting. So she has a good attitude, at least, about it, better than I think I would have because of the fact that this once again points out that the UFC has its athletes as not employees, but as independent contractors. Now, I'm going to guess, because I don't know how this is going to work, because she said the injury happened before the fight and then again during the fight. So I'm not 100% sure if this is going to be covered by the UFC's insurance. I think it should be, because again, it was in the fight. But it's hard to say with how insurance companies work. But even if it is, it'll cover the surgery and maybe the, the rehab. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is the UFC's insurance is for injuries during fight camps and and the fights and so I don't know to what extent I had a discussion online with Nate Nate Quarry about this and he said that the insurance is also it carries out $1,000 deductible per incident so I don't know 
how that's also going to work. But I do know that this, once again, like I said, points out the fact that there is a terrible problem with how the UFC handles its athletes. These are folks who are in a sport that is unforgiving. You're probably hurt 90% of the time. And the difference between injury and hurt is you can probably function if you're hurt. If you're injured, you're probably out of work. And so Jessica Rose Clark probably would have been out of, without the injury, she probably would have fought maybe again this year, but it's hard to tell. But now she's out for at least nine months, more, more than likely nine months. And there's no, no income then. So this again points out the fact that if the UFC is not going to make these folks fighter uh, employees, which it should, and give them year-round insurance, which it should, because if you're asking these folks to be ready to fight at the drop of a hat and they're always in training, they're always preparing for a fight, they just don't have one booked, well, that's a year-round fight camp, more or less. And so that insurance should be year-round and a deductible should be zero because these these this sport is terrible on the body. I mean, if you if you escape a fight without an injury, you're lucky. You're very lucky. So you're always hurt. You're more than likely are not going to get injured on fight night and you're more than likely going to be out of work for a while after fight night. And so there's no opportunity for income to get an income and if you're on a, a bad contract and you're not pulling in six figures per fight which I'm going to assume Jessica Rose Clark is not pulling in six figures by, for, per fight you're in bad shape because once taxes come out of that six figures and then manager's fees gym fees food everything that goes into the training a uh, hundred grand is not a hundred grand a hundred grand a lot less it's a, probably a lot less than 50 grand because it's taxes are going to come out of that and then 10% to a bunch of other people. So you're lucky if you're, if you're hitting 50 out of 100. So the UFC needs to do better by its athletes, especially in a situation where it's a pandemic. They're asking fighters to fight multiple times in short notice now, if they can, just to get the, just to keep the, the business rolling. And they're always hurt and borderline injured. And so if you want these folks to be professional athletes, treat them like professional athletes. Make them employees, provide them with insurance, provide them with a stipend so when things like this happen or, or income insurance, so when things like this happen to any fighter, they have a source of income and they don't have to worry that well, I got to find a job now while I rehab my blown out ACL. And that's not going to be easy. And the older fighters that have been in the UFC for a while are just fighting for a while. What, what kind of jobs are they going to be able to get part-time or secondary jobs? When your resume is professional fighter and you can't find a, a job training or working in a gym or something like that, what are your options? Your options are, are very few. And I think that's why we see a lot of fighters fighting beyond when they should because they don't have options. So if the pay was better, if the health insurance was there, 
if they if these folks were employees it's a ton of things that the ufc could make better because we know the revenue split would provide all these things if the ufc wasn't just ripping these fighters off and keeping 80 more than 80 percent of the revenue for the, for itself so again the ufc needs to look at this it brags about how it's the biggest baddest mma promotion in the world but it doesn't treat its fighters well at all it just extracts their blood and money from them and then tosses them to the side there's no no retirement there's no pension there's nothing you fight until you can't fight anymore and then you're gone and good luck no go watch no handshake no pat on the back Maybe you get into the UFC Hall of Fame, which is worthless. So make these fighters employees. Provide them with year-round insurance and not injury insurance, health insurance. Provide them with year-round health insurance. Provide them with income insurance. Make them employees. Pay them more. Treat them better. Stop screwing them. Because that's, that's what's happening here. They're just getting screwed. There was a UFC 254 media call today, um, virtual media call, I think it was. And Habib Nurmagomedov was on the call, and he got asked about training after the death of his father. Now, I saw a bunch of people that were pretty upset that this was asked. And I said, well, that's, you know, that's what a journalist does, ask the questions that need to be answered. And this is a big question. And you would ask this of of anyone, any athlete. If you had an athlete going into the NBA Finals or the baseball playoffs or the Stanley Cup that just wrapped up, if that, if that athlete had lost a family member, that's a question that would be asked. It would be because it's a question that people are curious about now. I 100% will defend that, that, defend that question being asked because it is a question that needs to be asked, like I said, and any journalist that wouldn't ask that question isn't really a journalist. They're just uh, someone that's getting, getting sound bites because that's probably one of the most important questions. But, and this is the but that I, I, I included in that statement I made on Twitter about that it should be asked, and that's ask it once and not everybody ask it once have one person ask it and then move on and then you can cite that hey so and so spoke to Habib Nurmagomedov about his father and this is what he had to say if it's during a media call then you just say during the media call he said so you have your answer then so it doesn't, I, 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 I will 100% defend it being asked once. If it's being asked by every person that he speaks to from this point on, and I don't know if he, if he was asked it before, I don't have that knowledge. If he was, then it was, then he could have said, I, I, I answered this before, and here's who I answered, or someone from the UFC could have provided that. But yeah, it didn't need to be. It does not need to be asked from this point on. And if it was asked before, it didn't need. It didn't need to be asked 
asked during the media call, but it did need to be asked. And if he was uncomfortable answering it, he could say that. Now, I know he's a pretty easygoing guy and doesn't really rock the boat during his media obligations. So I don't think that he's going to get all angry about it. But no, you, you don't ask it more than once. And I don't like, and I don't think he would have turned it down even if it would have got asked. But that's his. That's also his option to say that he addressed it or to say he's, he doesn't want to speak about it. But the folks that say that it shouldn't have been asked, they're they're out of line. They're out of line. There's there's every reason to ask it because it's an important question that needs to be addressed. But again, needs to be addressed once, and then everybody can just take that the answer from that and move on. So. You'll never convince me that it doesn't need to be asked. So you just can't convince me of that because it's a journalistic question. You would ask any person that would be affected by that that question. Or and if you wouldn't, I don't know I don't know why you why you would consider yourself a journalist then. Because then you're more of a hobbyist because you're not going to, if you're not willing to ask a hard question or an uncomfortable question, then the job's not for you. And I don't find that to, the other thing is I don't find that to be a hard or an uncomfortable question. I think that question would be expected from any, by anyone now. But they expect it every time. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. So that's, that's my beef with it is only that don't ask it a bunch of times, but ask it once. And anyone who thinks otherwise, they're wrong. They are 100% wrong. Wellington Terman was supposed to fight Sean Strickland on October 31st. But he will not be able to make it because he is still not recovered from a positive COVID-19. He stayed in quarantine from September 4th to September 24th here, according to MMA Fighting, but he could not resume training. And his quote was, I was in bad shape for two weeks, in really bad shape, with fever and pain of the body and chest, a bit of shortness of breath. I missed two weeks of camp. I mean, I can, I, I mean, I can say I missed the entire camp if I stayed in bed for two weeks, right? I'm doing light training now, nothing heavy, and thank God I'm getting better, but it was rough. So what bothers me about this is the assumption that someone's going to be ready to fight shortly after they test positive for COVID-19. The assumption that two weeks will be enough to recover. And that's a false assumption because two weeks may be enough to not test positive, but we don't know how the illness is going to affect anyone short-term or long-term, and especially not an athlete. We don't know how it's going to affect an athlete short-term or long-term. And so I think as far as athletes go, and UFC athletes, I think that they should not rebook these fighters until they're, you know, close to their baseline. And the UFC should have a baseline on everyone as far as their, their physicals. And if they're close to their baseline and they feel comfortable saying that they can fight, then let them. But don't just ask them, test them to make sure that they're there. Because someone who's you know, 
not making a lot of money if they test don't test positive for COVID-19 and they can somewhat function and somewhat train is going to say they're ready to fight even if they're not because they need the money and that sh money shouldn't be the reason to fight after you've had COVID-19 but it, it it's going to be because the UFC doesn't pay his athletes one other thing that bothers me about this is that these guys I don't know if this is they're if they're they're covered for this in the insurance because this is an illness and not an injury and the UFC's insurance is injury insurance so again now the guy the fighter has to pay out of pocket for any any health care they they need and if it's and if they get sick enough that they have to go to the hospital and be put on a, a ventilator, shit, that's going to break break someone that doesn't have insurance. So again, as I said earlier, these, these folks need health insurance, not injury insurance. They need health insurance. So you have a fighter who's willing to fight during a pandemic, willing to travel during a pandemic, get sick with COVID-19, and then they're not making any money. They are... They're out of luck. So that bothers me. And it should bother the UFC, but I don't know if it does. I don't know if it does. I'm going to guess it doesn't because they keep trying to book these, fight, these fights back to back to back after they've tested positive. And the assumption is that if you're not positive that you can train and you can fight and you can compete, which we know is not true. But the UFC's goal is to fill a card and get their ESPN money at the end of the year. The, the goal isn't to take care of the fighters. As I mean, even they'll say that it is. But are they paying for these fighters' health care? Are they paying for their insurance? Are they making sure that if they can't fight because they're positive for COVID-19, that they have food to eat, eat um, that their rent's paid? I don't think that's the case. If it was, we'd hear about it. But we haven't heard that. We heard that earlier in the year when fighters had traveled or had gotten ready to travel and the fight card was canceled, they get they got a partial uh, amount of their uh, of their show money and not even not even their complete show money. So I don't think the UFC's big concern is is the fighters. They'll say it is, but you can you can tell me something. You need to show me for me to believe it, especially with the UFC especially with the UFC. So I would say if these folks are willing to fight, willing to train, willing to travel all during a pandemic and then they get sick and they can't fight, travel, or train, they should be taken care of. But this should also be a, a full-time thing. They should have health care, not injury care, injury, health insurance, not injury insurance. They need health insurance. Like I said in the Jessica Rose Clark part, they need health insurance. They need income insurance. They need to be considered employees. But they need to, they need to stand up and force that issue. I mean, I, I'll, I'll bang that drum until it happens, but no one really cares what I have to say, I don't think. I mean, I'll support it. I'll push for it. 
but I'm just a small, small piece. So it's something that a lot of people are going to have to bang on about before it even gets into the head of the UFC because they want that 80, 80 plus percent of the revenue. So the money's there to do all this. Like I said earlier, the money's there. It's just a choice not to do so. So when you choose not to insure your fighters and their health, you're choosing to put money over the health of the fighters. And so don't tell me, never tell me the UFC goes above and beyond for, for its fighters and health and safety when it doesn't even give them health insurance. So, yeah. And the other thing that bothers me about the COVID-19 is that we know it affects the hearts of people who've had it. And, and even people who have not shown symptoms. But no one can tell me that the UFC is doing cardiac testing for anyone, even positive tests, fighters who have tested positive. I haven't heard about that, which sounds to me like a recipe for disaster. But what do I know? I just read the, you know, the, the stories on it from the media and the doctors who say that it's a big concern. But last I asked Nevada State Athletic Commission, they said they weren't going to change anything about that. And if the Nevada State Athletic Commission is not going to change anything about that, I have a hard time believing the UFC is going to do anything about that in Abu Dhabi. So yeah, it's just bothersome. Bothersome that you hear that the UFC goes above and beyond, but you know that that's not true. The only thing, the other thing I have is during yesterday, Dana White said that Habib Nurmagomedov had turned down the fight with, I mean, sorry, the, the tough appearance with opposite Conor McGregor because of the fact that McGregor shared the direct messages that White and him had exchanged about potential fights earlier in the year. And I wrote on Twitter that it sounded to me like an Ali Abdelaziz story. Come to find out that the day before White said these things, that Ali Abdelaziz had said the exact same things to TMZ. So I just found that funny. And I'm going to call that one the, uh, the come on now for the day because it sounds like Dana White's taking his talking points from Ali Abdelaziz, which doesn't surprise me. But come on now. And the other thing that stood out about that is that White said that Habib dropped an F-bomb when he said he wouldn't fight McGregor. It was like F him or something like that. And I'm pretty sure that I've never heard Habib Nurmagomedov curse like that. But Ali, Abdelaziz, yeah. That was the reason it made me suspicious. One of the reasons. 